Welcome to the Sisterhood & Co. podcast. I'm your host, Harriet Blevins. This podcast is designed to empower, educate, and encourage women of all ages and stages of life in their walk with God. Our goal and intent is to provide you with the best content and topics relevant to your lives as Christians. We will have conversations with other leaders all along the way and discuss topics all of us want and need to hear. I'm so happy you're here, and I hope you enjoy the journey with me. This morning in Sisterhood, awesome, so good. Um, Happy birthday to all of you. Ten years is no small thing, double digits. It's so awesome. It makes me so happy. And, um, you know, I want to thank you, Nicole. You've been there since day one, morning literally noon and night. You came not too long after. Casey's been there from the very beginning. Some of y'all been running with this ministry. How many of you were came 10 years ago when it was in the mall? Look at how many of y'all were there. I mean, that is just, that is some staying power. That is so good because only the Lord can do that. It's just an amazing thing. Can I just tell y'all a little bit about my holiday time? Christmas and uh, New Year's and the weird time you know there's a weird time between Christmas and New Year's that you're like I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing with my life you know that weird space in there it's weird you know so anyway we so we went to um so it was the Sunday I think before Christmas we had gone to lunch um Tim and I with Jerry and Casey and the kids and Jim and Diane were there to Moe's y'all know Moe's welcome to Moe's Well, you know, Emery said she had to go to the bathroom, so she ran to the bathroom, and she didn't come back for a little while. And when she finally came back, she was holding her little hand like this. And when I say there was blood pouring out, I mean a trail from the bathroom to our table. And and blood was coming out everywhere around her her fingernail. And it was so crazy because we went, you know, we were like, okay, what do we do? We're just going to go home, put a Band-Aid on it, and clean it up, and she's probably going to lose her fingernail. And she was like, I just do not want to lose my fingernail. This is the worst thing in the whole wide world that's ever happened to me. I mean, you know, she's six, so she's like, this is the worst day I've ever had. I mean, she was just sort of like in shock almost. But what y'all, we get to, there was a lady at Moe's who said, y'all need to go to get that looked at. Don't just go home, put a bandage on that. That's a situation. Like, you're going to have to go get it handled. And so we go to the orthopedic little hospital on Wrightsville Avenue, and they do an x-ray, and she ended up in emergency hand surgery right then. Right then, Nicole came. Yeah, we were all there like, what is actually happening right now? I mean, like, I, we were, I thought, Casey and I both, I thought we were going to pass out right there. And I kept saying, are y'all are going to do it right here in the room? while we're, Should we step out? Should we... You know, because I'm, I mean, Casey's like my daughter. I'm thinking, I don't want her to see all this. I mean, it was a lot. It was a lot. I mean, it was so much, y'all. I woke up the next morning, and my eye was twitching. Y'all ever had an eye twitch? My eye was twitching. I was like, Casey, I think I've got PTSD. I, I do not know what happened just now, but wow. So fast forward a few days, I get a call from Amanda. She goes, well, I'm not gonna, I don't want to alarm you, but Eli and I have just gone to the doctor for my appointment, and Amanda's my daughter-in-law, for those of you who don't know, she's 38 weeks pregnant, and they s- they're sending me to the hospital. They said, today's going to be the day she's born, because I have preeclampsia. So they get to the hospital, there's no bed, it's good times around Novant, isn't it? It's like, the Hunger Games, it's like, who's the tribute? You know, Amanda was like, I'm the tribute today. So anyway, she's there waiting, 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 so they finally get a bed. 
and they were going to induce her that her water broke, and she went hard into labor four hours but didn't dilate. So that sent the baby into distress and Amanda into emergency C-section surgery. Y'all, these children have sent me into, I'm just like, <laughs> I have prayed. I don't even think I have, I know I didn't sleep the night. Emery got, I'm not kidding y'all, we're all sleep deprived. So if I say something weird today, just go, we love her anyway, because she's trying. And she, it's been a lot. I've just, it's, it's, it's been a lot. <laughs> I'm just like, wow, baby's great. Mama's great. They're all, everybody's getting into their routine. Little Emery's finger is all healed up. It's so awesome. Oh, oh. And in the middle of it all, oh, yeah, and Bailey's like, peace out. I'm going to Australia for a month. I'm like, you are no help. What are you doing? In the middle of it all, see this big thing? I've hidden it today. See that big thing? Had a skin cancer taken off. Yeah, uh, uh-huh, yeah, yeah, right after Haven was born. I mean, it has been an interesting little time, I'm just going to tell you. But how many of you know that the devil is a liar? He is a liar. And so he's been pesky. But we just look at him to say and say, not today, devil, and tomorrow it's not looking good either. So just move on along because you've got the wrong family unit. This tribe is done. Like we are like, so here we are. I, I feel like I've landed into year 10, like landing a plane. I'm like, whoa, we're here. I'm here. <laughs> it's just wild. It's just wild. But God had spoken to me back in the fall, and I knew that this series was supposed to be about life in the kingdom, because the Holy Spirit, right, the living water, the flame that sets us on fire, he wants to inject us with hope and with love and with life and with a, an eye and a spirit and a heart towards the future, okay? A lot of us have to stop looking backwards, and we're going to have to start looking down the road at the future, and I want to tell y'all something. I felt like the prophetic word for this year, y'all are not going to like it. I mean, you, some of you may love it, and you're better people than me, but I, and that's fine, but you're not going to love it, but the word is, I want you more holy, more pure, and the more, it, this is going to be a year that God is for some of us, continuing to prune off the things in our lives that do not produce fruit. And how many of you know the Word of God says He does prune off things that do, do produce fruit sometimes too? Let it go. Just let it go. If it's not serving you in your life, let that thing go. And step into more holiness with Him. Step into a place uh, that's deeper with Him, that's closer to Him, that's more pure of heart than you've ever been. And those are the times that we're living in right now. The page of history has turned, and we're in a new day today. We're already in it. It's hard to get our minds around it because, you know, we want to look back, and we want things to stay the same. Things are not going to stay the same. They're not the same. So this ministry, 10 years old, it has been a joy to me. The biggest joy to me is that this ministry is not about me. This ministry is about us. It's about us, and I want to tell y'all, there's a whole other group of y'all at nighttime. Did you know that? It's a whole bunch of people. I mean, it's a lot of people. It's a lot of family units and homes and children and, and spouses and families and extended families that are represented here in the sisterhood because women are powerful. We are powerful. If you give us something, we're going to make it better, right? Right, you give us a sperm, we make a baby, you give us a house, we make a home. 
You give us some groceries, we make a meal. And mine's, it's mealish, but it's, you know, it's edible. You know what I'm saying? Like, you give us something and we are going to increase it because that's who God made us to be. Women are powerful. And, um, and listen, the voices who are trying to erase womanhood by saying anybody can be a woman, don't listen to that. That is a lie. That is a lie because God, and I think the enemy knows that. And so he doesn't want us carrying the uniqueness of womanhood. And I'm way off into a whole other area right now. So, okay, if you're taking notes today, I want you to write this at the top of your notes. And we're going to refer back to it a little bit later. So hang on to it. Here's the question I want you to answer. What comes to mind? There is a spider on my note. Wow. I said not today, devil. Okay, what comes to mind when I think about the kingdom of God? It may be, uh, you know, a vision or a, a word or a phrase or whatever. What comes to your mind when you think about the kingdom of God? Just put, I want you to write that right there, and I want you to hold on to it. Just put it in a holding spot. So in church life, we often use the term the kingdom. I'm sure unchurched people think it's very odd. Right, I'm sure they're like, that is some weird stuff they're talking about. But we often use that. Sounds, you know, very churchy. But have you ever given any thought to what the kingdom is and where the kingdom is? If somebody could just get me a Kleenex, I can tell them I'm going to be sniffling. Thank you. I'm sorry. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Such a blessing. So um, I'm sure everybody in this room knows, unless you've been literally living under a rock, that Queen Elizabeth passed away this past year, right? Everybody knows that. Now, if I were to mention her kingdom to you, you know exactly where that is. Most of you, I would dare say, nine-tenths of you could put your finger on the map blindfolded as to where her kingdom is of Great Britain, right? Yes, right, yes, yes. England, Wales, England, Scotland, Wales, right? That's right. It's Great Britain. You know where it is. But the kingdom of God is different. It's totally different because it isn't a place on earth. It is not. It's otherworldly. It isn't a place on earth. Now, some people believe that the church is the kingdom. Thank you so much because I know I can tell I'm already sniffling. Uh, but it is not. The church is a vehicle for the kingdom of God. See, where the church is, the kingdom is definitely, that is a true statement, but the purpose of the church is to extend the rule of God. That is the purpose of the church. The kingdom of wherever the rule, the kingdom is wherever the rule of the king is. Wherever the king is ruling, that is the kingdom. That could be in your shoe closet. Wherever the king is ruling is the kingdom. That is what it is. We, you and I, if you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, we are heirs of such kingdom, of that said kingdom we just talked about. Now, that's the part you and I have problem living out. We don't always live that out. And it's hard because it's not always tangible for us, right? We live in a natural world. The things that we normally are, are used to doing in our human nature are natural. They're tangible. 
in the same way that Buckingham Palace is a natural place, right? It's a geographical place on earth. It is a natural place. Now, William and Kate, and I don't know what to call them now. Are they Duke and Duchess or Prince and Prince? I don't even know. I don't even really care. But, um, you know, they know when they go to a certain geographical location because they are heirs of that kingdom that every single door must open for them. They know that. They know that. We have that same access to the kingdom we belong to, except it's a greater kingdom. It's an eternal kingdom where the one true and living God presides as as king. Now, often we don't remember that or think about that. That's what this series is about, to help bring the thoughts of the kingdom to the forefront of our minds so we remember again, so that we remember again. So in the coming weeks, we're going to talk in depth about this word inheritance, (coughs) to inherit something, being heirs of this kingdom. Today, I'm going to give you an introduction of the series with this broad, sweeping view, hopefully a, a, with a lens, you know, like a camera lens pulls out and gets more of the picture. That's what I hope to do today where, where the kingdom of God is concerned. So you can write in your notes, Matthew 4, just hold on right there. And I want to explain a little bit about this. Um, Matthew is about, in most Bibles, is about 30 pages long. I think it has 20, I think it has 28 chapters. It's about 30 pages long in most Bibles. And we see here Jesus' first public recorded words. That is very, very important. We talk a lot here about the law of first mention, When you see something first mentioned in the Bible, there is a very big importance around that theologically. For us to maintain a biblical worldview, it is very important for us to know where things are mentioned first and that we can go back to that place in the Word of God. This is kind of like this, but I'll call it the law of the first spoken words of Jesus' public ministry. Because he was was speaking. He was a, a normal kid, not normal, but, you know, growing up like a boy, so of course he had other words, but these are his first public words that were ever recorded. Now, those in Jesus's life at this time would have known him by his Hebrew name, Yeshua. That's what they would have known him as, as this, as the, this guy that lived in their community, so to speak, in their town. This is in Galilee, around the Sea of Galilee is where they are right now in this part of Matthew. He's a young prophet, And Yeshua is making the circuit rounds of ministry. That's what he's doing. He's going around, and he is touching lives. And so far, they know of him as this young prophet. That's what they think that he is. That's all that he thinks that he is. And they're like, hey, he's coming to a town near you. Ticketmaster is getting ready to put all the tickets on sale. So get ready because it's going to be a sold-out event. That's, that's kind of what was happening in this whole situation. His message has a theme. Now, I, lo- I love themes. I don't love themes when it comes to, like, decorating and stuff, but I like a theme when I'm trying to learn something. I like that. I like, I like a theme that helps me learn something I didn't know before. Yeah, I love that. I really like to learn, and I love that. And um, 
Jesus's message, when you begin to read through his words, definitely had a theme. Now, if I'm not going to ask, but if I were to ask most of you, you would say, oh, his theme was love. It was not. Now, he was loving. He is the picture of love and gentleness and goodness and justice and righteousness. It was not the theme of his life was not love, but he had a thing. Over 50 times we hear Jesus repeat this same thing all throughout his life. And what is it? So let's go to Matthew 4, verse 17. Here, here are the first words. Repent. Not many celebrities today we know would say that, would they? He, he was, you know, that was kind of where he was, kind of famous like that. Repent, he says. The kingdom of God is here or at hand. Some versions say the kingdom of heaven is at hand. They, they mean the same thing here. Heaven and God mean the same thing. It's kind of like, you know, when you hear those reports that say the White House has put out a statement, you know what that means. You know that that, that statement is coming from the president, right? And, and we need to listen to whatever it is. That's what this is saying. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, same thing. The White House is putting out a statement. Now, when this is said, there is a forced response that is needed and required in this moment. See, you and I, we cannot just hear those words and sashay on by and do nothing. The very words that came out of Jesus' mouth. They couldn't do that, and you and I can't do it today. We cannot. We must do. There's a required response to a statement like this. And as we follow Jesus through the New Testament in the weeks to come, we're going to see that this issue of the kingdom is very central to his message. His message over and over is pointing. Sorry, I thought that was my phone. Is is over your Bible is on audio. <laughs> that he he is pointing over and over again to this theme of the kingdom. Now, before we go forward, we're going to have to go back just a bit into the Old Testament. And I want us to look at where we first hear, so here's going to be a first mention, a law of first mention. Where do we first learn of the idea? of kingdoms and ruling and reigning or kings? Where do we hear that language first in the Old Testament or in the Bible, just in the whole Bible? Where do we hear that? And I will tell you, it's all the way back to page one and page two. There is a lot on page one and page two, y'all. There is just a lot right there. When we allow ourselves to stop and go back to page 1 and page 2, and you know I'm talking about Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, right? When we go back to page 1 and page 2, when we do that and we are taking a big theme or a big thought, we are establishing within our own spirits a biblical worldview. That's what that means. We are establishing that so we can look at crazy town today and go, no, no, nope, nope. No, I have a different worldview because page one and page two tells me different. You can always go back to page one and page two. So most Christians believe, you know, uh, uh, most of what Christians believe, period, have its foundations right there. 
and you can go back and look at that, and it will hold up. Now, in Genesis 1, we see God as this, um, he's a royal artist. He's weaving, he's painting, he's taking uh, mess and chaos, and he's bringing beauty and order to the world as a royal artist of sorts. And then we see the capstone of all of this creation is on page two, where he sets then the creatures over it. And his name was Adam, Adam the first. And then it says male and female, he created them. There we are. They, we, image him. Reflect him. Image him into this new, ordered, beautiful world and creation that he has created. God blessed them in this place, and he basically said, I want you guys to have a blast and subdue this whole place. Harness its power. Here you go. That's what he basically said to them. I mean, if you really boil it all down into our language. So I want you to look at Genesis 1, and we're going to read two verses from there. Begin with verse 26. Then God said, let us, capital S, uh, 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 you, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule, say rule, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle and all the earth and over every creeping thing on the earth. And God created man in his own image, there it is, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. And God blessed them. There it is. God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Another name for that is dominion. And we're going to talk about that. And when people get all up in arms in this, in this in crazy culture and say you're a dominionist, just say, well, whatever. I'm whatever page one and page two says. I'm, that's what I am. So call me whatever you got to call me. Yes, because uh, that's what the world, word tells us. Subdue it. God is saying here. I'm setting you in over this. Take responsibility for it now. That's what he's saying to them. Over the fish of the sea. I'll tell you a funny story. When Bailey was probably, I'm way out. I know I'm way out there. She is like, wow, here we go. I don't, I don't even remember how old you were when you were surfing and doing all those surf lessons in the, in the little guppy competition and all that. And they had them out there learning how to surf out at Wrightsville Beach in the dark. Like I was like, the sun ain't even up yet. I mean, we there's like the, you know when the sharks eat, right? And she was like, "Mama, it's fine." She had that big old surfboard. She was like, "Because remember, God gave us dominion over the fish of the sea." And the, I mean, I was like, "Okay, that's fine. It's going to be fine. I'm sure the sun's coming up soon. I'm sure it's going to be fine." Because she might have weighed ten pounds at that point. But here's where God said it: over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over every living thing that moves on the earth. God told them, "Here it is." Rule over it. Rule over it. Ruling, let me tell you, is different than managing. Just ask Queen Elizabeth. Right? Yeah, somebody called her a manager. She'd be like off with her heads. I mean, you know, she'd be like, what in the world? Ruling is the language of kings and queens. 
That's what it is. So ruling on God's behalf or in God's behalf installed as kings and queens, that becomes a partnership with heaven, with God himself. And that's what he was calling the man, Adam, and his wife, Eve, too. That's what he was calling them, too. Now, we all know then when you turn the next page to page three, everything goes sideways, right? Through human rebellion and all the things. And, you know, what happened to them sounds very familiar to today because they wanted themselves to be able to define what good and evil was. They're like, we're good. You know, you know what? We've kind of got the hang of this thing. I think we're good. We, I can figure this out on my own. I, c- I can decide what's, you know, what's good, what's bad. What's, I can do all of this on my own, and that's kind of what, what happened. And um, not much has changed today, right? Yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit. Humans were set in as deputies, and what they did is they staged a coup and took over. That's actually what happened in the garden. That, that's actually what happened. And it created this alternate kingdom, this alternate world that the Bible says is of this world. I think it's Paul that calls it later on. The Bible says that it is the age of sin and death. The age of sin and death. So Exodus 15, and I know if y'all were here for Moses last semester that y'all are like for the love of God and all that is holy don't make us go back to Exodus <laughs> but we're just going to briefly <laughs> sashay through it for just a second because I just want to sh- tell you about this but I know it's kind of crazy because we did a big study last semester on Exodus it lasted weeks and weeks and weeks but here is the first place that we see God referred to as a king this is where we see it. It's in Exodus 15, 18. And it says, here's the language of it, and you'll get it when I read it. The Lord shall reign forever and ever. Now, who reigns? Kings and queens reign, right? That's who reigns. Now, this was the song that Moses and Israel sang as to the Lord as an offering to him, as worship to him when he delivered them from the land of Egypt. This is the song, and this is the very last line of that song. This is what they're saying to him. They're saying that Yahweh delivered them, and he is the king of all the earth forever, and he will reign forever and ever. Now, there's one thing about kingdoms that we all need to come into agreement with. They all have a king, and they all have a people. That, that's real. You never hear of a kingdom that doesn't have a king or a queen and a people. Always, always. So Israel, at this point in time in this Exodus story, we know, had a hard time living inside of God's kingdom, and uh, so do we, right? Yeah, that's nothing's new there, right? That's not like a big newsflash. But um, we don't often think about how we have to submit to his reign. That word, submit. Now, I mean, we live in America, y'all. We left the monarchy for many obvious reasons, right? We're like, see ya later. Like, I mean, yeah, kings are not going to tell us what to do or when to do it, right? That's who America is. You know, we're, we're based in independence and freedom. 
But it really makes no difference what we like when it comes to the kingdom of God because the rejection of his kingdom doesn't make him any less king. It might in an earthly sense if you're doing that when we said peace out Boy Scout to the king of England and set, aside, set out to make our own country. But it doesn't matter how many times you or me or anybody else reject God. He is still ruling and reigning over his kingdom. Period. All it does is remove us from being his people. That's all that does. And I don't want that, neither do you. I mean, that's why you're here. So we're going to go back to Matthew 4, what I mentioned in the beginning. And I want us to go down to verse 18. And I want us to look at what does Jesus do after he makes his big statement of repent for the kingdom of heaven is here or is at hand and all the things. So this is what it says in verse 18. And walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen, reading on down. And he said to them, follow me, and I'll make you fisher, fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets. They followed him. Um, they followed him, and going on from there, he saw the other two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them, and they immediately left their boat and their father, and they followed him. So the first thing Jesus did after he makes his first public statement is take a walk. Take a walk. I think walking is highly underrated. I do. I walked several miles this morning before today. My friends and my, all my family notes one of the first things I do when I get up in the morning is put my stuff on and head out the door. I've been bundling up lately. Get out the door and start walking. Do you know walking is one of the first things we learn as children? And walking, let me say this to y'all because some of y'all need to get moving. Walking is, is what's going to take you from one place to the other. Not just, not just in the natural, in the spiritual too. So put your, put your walking shoes on and get going. I'm, I'm digressing big time. Along the way, when Jesus is out taking his walk, he runs into four fishermen, the first of who are Simon, Peter, and Andrew. The other two are James and John. And when he sees Peter and Andrew, he just says this, I, follow me. He just walks up to him and says, follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. I mean, they, what? I, I'm thinking, you know, were they like, I'm sorry, do I know you? I mean, they probably did remember because he was the young circuit you know, prophet going around. You know, he was quite the celebrity in those parts. But what he's telling them is, I want to change your job description. Are you ready for Jesus to change your job description? He totally changed their job description. I mean, some of you have had that happen to you. I have. I used to work in the wor in the, out in the world. I used to work for Liz Claiborne as a merchandiser. And now I'm in full-time ministry and operating in my calling. But I used to have some nets that I would mend, right? And I would work trying to fish on the side while we were planting the church. He's saying to them, I'm going to give you a whole different job description and these people are in a family business. Oh, oh, I know. Tim and I have been in a family business before. 
that can get that can get very touchy right there you know it really really can now same for James and John it's same thing and listen and their father was sitting right there their father was sitting right there with them mending nets and Jesus didn't seem bothered at all to go hey you two come on you're not gonna be doing that anymore I'm changing your job description follow me I make you fishers of men with their dad sitting there now, we have no idea about this dad. Jesus could have, I mean, he would have known this, but, but he could have been a bad dude. He could have been the a sorry, just heel of a shoe. He could have been toxic. He could have been a broken man. He could have been hard on them. But he could have been a great man, just building his family business, working alongside his children, just being, you know, just being, just doing life and being productive. We have no idea. Jesus is like, none of that matters. Follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And that is quite bold of a statement. Because, see, we always think of Jesus as just like, love to you, love to you, and some love to you out there. Stop that cussing. Love to you. Stop that smoking. Love to you. Peace to all. He is like, hey, follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. They're like, what in the world? This is what he's saying, though. Hey, people, the kingdom is here. It has arrived. It is present, and it's me. That's what he's saying. He's saying the kingdom of God is me. That's what he's telling them. I mean, he's the kingdom. He's forming a new people. He is rebooting Israel's history their story. He's doing a, a do-over. He's rebooting that whole situation right there. He is the center of this kingdom, the very center. There is no kingdom of God without Jesus in the center. There could be no other, only him. He gets to be the central figure. Now, it is a radical calling to anything to fully surrender and to submit. Would you all agree with me? Us women, we, we have a harder time of that sometimes, I think, because we're called upon to do that in other areas of life and all the things. So sometimes we get a little, our, you, you know, Bailey used to say, you know, um, you know, nobody's going to tell me what to do. I mean, no, what would she say? Oh, she would say, I do what I want. I mean, except whatever y'all tell me I can't do. But she would do that whole, like, you know, you're not the boss of me, that whole thing. She would do all that. I was like, hoo-wee. I mean, that's how it is. But our culture has a disdain for language like surrender and submission. I mean, a, a, uh, I, I would actually say a hatred for that type of language. And you can see when that language is used, you can see the world, you can see the spirit of sin and death rise up and go, Wah! then they, they, it attacks the words, the person, the company, whatever, it's called cancel culture, whatever's using that language, you can see it come out in like, whoa, you can feel it and see it. But the truth is that the kingdom is a people living under his reign and taking back the world. That's what the kingdom is. The people living under the reign and the rule of God, and they are taking back the world. Y'all, we cannot do that if we just sit around and just go, me, my four, no more. You know, I really don't want to rub any feathers or do any. 
This is the day. This is the day where you're, you know, that stake you have where you put it in the ground. This is this era we're living in right now. This is the day you put your stake in the ground and go, no. You don't have to be hateful about it. You don't have to be loud about it. But you do have to be intentional about it. You actually have to be intentional about it. You, you don't have to be harsh. You don't have to be hard. You can be gentle about it. You can, you can put that stake in the ground while you're telling somebody how much you love God. And you could not do anything other than submit to his rule and his reign in your life. You can do that. Jesus went about teaching three things. Teaching, proclaiming, and healing. There's a thread of a similar pattern in his life all through the New Testament as he walked on the earth. He taught, he proclaimed the kingdom of God, and then he also healed, the Bible says he healed all, say all, all those who were sick and oppressed of the devil. All. All of it. That's a good news right there. That is the gospel of Jesus right there. That is what it is. Now, in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, we see loads and loads and loads of uh, Jesus' words. We see um, his teachings and all that are compiled there uh, kind of succinctly and compactly there in three chapters. If you have a Bible that has red letters, you're going to see a lot of red letters in chapter 5, 6, and 7. You're going to see all that going on. And then in chapter 8 and 9, those two chapters, what you begin to hear are stories about signs, wonders, and miracles because that is where Jesus revealed the kingdom of God through his deeds. And you and I are supposed to be doing the exact same thing. When he left the earth, he said, occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. And I want to tell you, for me, I'm not seeing enough signs, wonders, and miracles following my life. How about y'all? I'm ready for a new day in that. And that doesn't just happen because I decide to get up and be awesome. It doesn't. We got to go, I, I got I to gotta get the heart of God today. What is God saying to me today? And I can't do that if I'm dabbling over in all kinds of different stuff. I got to keep a mind and a focus exactly in the lane God has called me to and not let anything pull me out of it. And believe me, I feel it sometimes. Look over here. Look over here. Look over here. And I, I mean, I don't want to ever be mean, but I'm like, no, I'm not taking homework from you. I take homework from him. I'm not looking over here because I'm looking there. And you are too. That's what we're doing because we are taking back the world. We're taking back the dang world, y'all. That's who we are. That's, what, that's how powerful we are, that that's what God gave us to do. He said, here's your assignment. You want an assignment? You want some homework? Lay, listen, soak, lay on your floor, listen to all the prophetic words, and then get up and go do something. Get up and go do something. If you go to conference after conference after conference and you're still just like, bless the Lord, and nothing's changing, Ask why. Where are the signs, the wonders, the miracles, the kingdom of God being revealed through our deeds like Jesus? That's how Jesus was. That's what he did. And because he did it, we can do it too. We can do the same thing. So when Jesus takes over the world, that right there is what it looks like. Starting in Matthew 5, 6, 7, going on into 8 and 9. That's what it looks like when Jesus takes over the world. I love it so much. People flocked to him. They came from everywhere just to get a glimpse of him. There weren't empty seats in the church on Sunday morning. 
They were flocking to him, utterly changed and transformed forever. But now here's the thing. Jesus will meddle. He's going to make you mad. If you're actually hearing from Jesus, he's going to make you mad sometimes because you know what he's doing? He's digging out the roots that keep us broken and messed up and getting to the bottom of what's wrong with us and this nutty circus we live in right now. That is what he's actually doing. He's like, I'm going to get in there and I'm going to keep digging and digging and digging and digging until I get that root and I'm going to pull that root out. Because you, you can't just do the drive through pharmacy and get medicated for it. You got to get some preventative medicine that's going to go to the root of it. Stop just treating the symptoms. Because you know what that looks like? That looks like a glass of wine every night at five. That looks like, um, I, I, it looks like I'll just, I could go and I probably would be really meddling in a lot of people's stuff. It looks like doing anything other than letting Jesus meddle and get to the root of what is wrong with us. All of us, y'all have heard my story about having to go get counseling and, and ministry myself after doing years of ministry on other people. Get it handled. Get it handled. Get holy. Get pure so that you can, so the dove of the Holy Spirit can rest on the Jesus in us. It's a new day. So he makes us mad, but he also gets to the root of us. And I want to tell you something. Today, he calls us again. Follow me. Follow me. He says it again. Build your life. We have a whole series on that. Back, you could probably go. Another, I know it's on the podcast. You could go listen to the Build Your Life um, messages there, but... Build your life on a firm foundation. Build your life on something that's going to be there tomorrow. Stop building your life on things that moth and rust can eat away. And build your life on a firm foundation. Um, You know, Jesus, in this story that I just read, and we will see more of it, he sort of walks around like he owns the place because he does. He does. I read that and thought, huh, that's, wow. But he does. That's what he's saying. I am here. I've arrived, and I am the kingdom. It is a beautiful thing. So where is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is within the Christian heart. We carry it within us. As he is in the world, so are we. Does your life look like that? Does your life look like that? Does my life look like that? I would say sometimes, sometimes not, right? It's, what I, it's the best we can all do. So in the weeks to come, we're going to unpack, 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 unpack. Of these eight weeks, every week, we're going to get a new unpacking of what the kingdom of God actually is. What are the qualities in yours and my life that are going to show and image and reflect the kingdom of God to this crazy town world we live in because there's the bible is going to tell us exactly what that is so that we know what it is and what and it's very important that we know what it's not it's very important that we know what it's not because i I will tell you what happens is when you start talking about the kingdom and you get in you know and you get in in a church group and you get in you know in, in any ministry area really and um the religious spirit 
which is seated in the, um, I won't get into all of it today, but in, in the hierarchy of the Baal spirit, it's part of the Baal demonic realm, B-A-A-L, that religious spirit, it gets us down here doing all kinds of things. And we just think we're in the kingdom of God. Bless the Lord. I am doing all this. Did y'all let me take a selfie because I took a meal to somebody? Have y'all seen me? I've been up at the hospital a visiting. I mean, you, I mean the religious spirit. It makes us toot our own horn. And Jesus is like, Get, listen, guys. I might make you mad but I'm going to need to change your job description because it's going to look different than what you've been doing. It's going to look different. You may still be fishing, but you're going to be catching something totally different. Right? Souls. Souls. See, all of our rarely leads anyone to the Lord. We just toot our own horn. Right? You're like, well, good for you. I mean, you know, we don't have to toot our own horn. Because guess what? When we show up at the palace gates, we have access to every door. We have access to any door in the kingdom has to open for us. It has to because we're heirs of the kingdom. Because we're queens. Because of who our father is. It's really true. I mean, it's, it's really true. And we're going to get to it. We're going to talk about a lot of it coming up. So it's going to be full. Buckle up each week when you come. It's going to be quite the journey. So now, here's your small group question. Oh, yes, you got right at 15 minutes. Okay, here's your small group question. Go back to the top of your notes where you wrote the question. I don't want you to revise it now that we've talked about the kingdom, but I want you to answer the question, what comes to mind when I think about the kingdom of God before I sat here this morning? What was that? And I want you to celebrate. Some of you may have actually, I mean, you, you may, I mean, good for you if you had a whole, you know, big fuller view than most of us. You know, but most people, we have all, most people think it's the church. To be honest with you, I think for a long time I would have said it's the church. It's the gathered ecclesia. That's what I would have said, you know, because that sounds so, you know, Hebrew and all that. Oh, it's Greek. Greek sounds so Greek. I am trilingual, y'all. No, just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm not. I'm not. But I want you to answer that question today because it helps. It helps to see where other people are in their journey, and it encourages us and inspires us to go, okay, we're all starting out on this journey kind of in the same spot, right? We're all at some starting gate. You must be. You might be up a, a lane or two, you know, but, but some of it, we're all at, the, at a starting gate. And we're going to learn about the kingdom of God. And I mean, I pray that when we get finished with this, that this ministry is filled with women who are no longer weak where they thought they were, but who are empowered. You know what that means, to put power into that's what all of us hope to do, to put power into you so that you can run the race of life and build the kingdom of God all along the way. And we have to know what that is, right, in order to do it. So Eli's going to put a little bit of worship music on, and I'll be back up to close us out. All right. So who had the kingdom of God as church? Who else had? <laughs> I did too, Andrea. Um who had the kingdom of God is um, heaven. Heaven. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. 
And it is part of the kingdom of God for sure. Absolutely. It is. I want to end today. Y'all can stand up. Y'all, y'all you do not have to. We're, I'm going to send you on your way. I was just going to tell you, though, um, Michelle and Nicole were just reminding me that, you know, becoming, because I'm already a great aunt to my babies, um, Emery and Judah Claire, but becoming a grandmother is a job description change. God gave me a new thing in my in my uh, resume to and you know he he wants to do that and I I'm really I am a person who really likes to learn and I'm always listening to podcasts and on all different kinds of subjects some of which would probably shock some of you but I really am uh, very much always wanting to learn and there was a lady that I heard recently and I love to follow a lot of designers like home designers and she was she was selling this house that she had had, um, this 1930s English Tudor, which the, the English European French style is like my, like where I'm like, I can't, that's, if there's a mansion in heaven for me, that's what it's going to look like. It's going to look like an English Tudor probably. But um, so she is, she is going to sell this house. And when she announced this, I think, you know, all of us hearers out probably all over the you know, world that were listening to her were like, oh, like what? And she said this, she said, you know, that she came to a point where she realized that that, that that home, that house, the dwelling, it no longer served her priorities in life. So some of you, there may be something in your life right now. It may not be your job and it may not be a house, but what is no longer serving the priorities in your life and kind of gets in your way? What gets in your way as you're trying to go about building the kingdom? What is getting in your way? That may be something that God says, Jesus is saying, drop those nets, come follow me, and I'm going to show you something new. So, Father, we thank you for today. We thank you, Lord, that when we are gathered together, your promise is that you will be here with us. And, Lord, we ask that you would just come and move in us, through us, among us, even that we carry the kingdom of God out into the world around us. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to come rest on the Jesus Christ inside of each of us so that your Holy Spirit can be poured out in the earth. We thank you, Lord for your goodness. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for, um, we thank you for some sound theology that kind of helps us correct, course correct when we need it. And we thank you, Lord, that um, when we come to you and ask for wisdom, you give it freely to all of us. So we seal this time even in heavenly places, and we just submit ourselves before you afresh and anew today, God. And we ask that you would bless all of us as we go. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen and amen. We will see you back next week.